0: Welcome to the Pastor and Son podcast. My name is Christian. I'm a born again Christian and will be hosting this podcast alongside my mother, Patience, who is also a pastor. The goal of this is really to help people to know God and His Word. We're going to look closely at Scripture and discuss difficult and controversial topics to help people understand what we believe God is saying about those topics. Today the topic is Women in Ministry. We discuss how Pastor Patience became a pastor before going into the broader question of whether women should be in church leadership at all. We look closely at the main scriptures used to oppose women in ministry and then discuss why we believe women can and are called into leadership positions. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Yes, my name is Pastor Patience. You can call me Patience. <laughs> he calls me mom. So, yeah, no, it's, it's really great to be here and to come and speak about some of these topics that have really kept people down or kept people out of what God's called them to do. You know, I've met so many women who um, have a desire to do something, there's a calling upon them, they have something inside of them. But because of wrong beliefs and wrong thinking and things that have been told to them over over years, you know, we know this, over decades, even centuries, that have kept them down. And so they feel unable to fulfill the call on their lives. And there's a desperation. Some of them are desperate because it's like telling someone not to breathe. You know, they've got something in them. They're being told, no, you can't do it. Why? Because you were born the wrong gender. Now, did God not think about that? Did he make a mistake then in putting gifts and callings and abilities in women, knowing that they couldn't do it? No, that cannot be the case. And, um, you know, I've looked at different scriptures, different things that are used. And, uh, you know, we can't take one uh, thing that Paul said or, mm. you know, someone else said, or whatever. And then to the exclusion of all the other evidence, we just take the one and major on it. And this is what I call non-essential truths. Mm. There are some truths that are essential, and other things are non-essential. Mm. Some of them are cultural things that are being told, and yet we take them and apply them now and say it's got to be like that. Yeah. No, you've got to look at what God said, what we're, His intentions, Mm. what did Jesus do? Mm.
0: So as you've hinted at already, today we're going to focus on the topic of women in ministry. Right. And, you know, as we've mentioned already, you're a pastor. For those who can't tell, you're a woman. (laughs) So I'm sure anyone religious listening to this may be, you know, having a heart attack right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we pray not, but maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) well, they they probably wouldn't listen once they find that out, but, um, so you're a pastor and so, as you said, there's essential truths and non-essential truths. I think it's worth setting out before we go into different topics. An essential truth is that we believe the Bible is the word of God. That's right. Um, it's God breathed. Yes. And I know even Christians today, some will dispute that even, but, maybe that'll be another topic for discussion later definitely is another topic (laughs) we can go into why (laughs) yeah but for now we're just establishing that as what we believe is a foundational thing yeah and so that's why we're going to use scriptures today yes (laughs) uh but yeah before we go into the topic itself you're a pastor where do you pastor first of all
1: well i'm a pastor of tree of life in watford actually we're not in Watford at the moment but we are the Watford branch we meet in Kings Langley and this came about because of Covid we had to relocate and so on so but we're meeting there but we are um, a branch of the Tree of Life network that's pastored by Benjamin Conway and Benjamin and Amanda
0: shout out to Tree of Life
1: yeah shout out to (laughs) Tree of Life we've got we've got other churches where that have all grown out of the main church which is in Dagenham and you know it's an awesome church it's a church that will bring you to your full potential and um you know (laughs) yeah so I invite you Mm. (laughs) anybody who's Mm. listening yes yeah so um yeah Mm. okay so
0: I want to start by asking you about how you became a pastor because I know obviously being your child growing up with you for years and years you were a stay-at-home mum you homeschooled four out of five children yeah how did you go from that to now pastoring
1: well I'll say that even when I was a stay-at-home mum I as you know I would put God first I would um, you know try to listen to God and get direction for my life, for my children. And, uh, you know, when I was homeschooling, for example, uh, it was one of those things that it was purely God's grace. I could not have done it just because I was that smart and I was going to do everything. The Holy Spirit walked with me every step of the way. And this is what, you know, I say to people, that you are called. Whether you are standing on a platform or you have a pulpit or not, if you're a child of god if you believe then you are also called and you are chosen you're meant to do something even if it's in the school in the home at the supermarket on the street and in throughout my time even when i was not pastoring i would see miracles in the shop at the school i would lay hands on people i would pray with them i would lead them to christ i, I was doing these things already as a normal, ordinary Christian, because that's what we're meant to do. Everybody's meant to do that. And so, you know, that was my life anyway. And, um, you know, for years, I, I was, as you know, I was married. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the person I was married to, well, who, which is your dad, was not into uh, women preaching or or pastoring, or sharing, I mean, you know, he didn't believe that way, and so he was very discouraging, and if there was any opportunity for me to do anything in any church, he, he didn't like it, unless it was a very background, you know, nobody knew about you thing, which was fine with me then, because I didn't want to be in the forefront anyway, so I'm, you know, just going to church, doing what is in my heart to do, I would want to share the gospel, I would want to share things and encourage people. And, you know, amazingly, people would just call me and I'd be ministering to them. I would be, you know, encouraging them. I was doing all of that without any pastor title or anything. You don't need a title. Now, listen, if you're out there listening, you do not need anybody to tell you, you can now go and pray for the sick. If you believe the truth, go and do it. Just do it. If you're a mom, your child isn't allowed to be sick. Yeah, they start getting ill. You know exactly what to do. You go to the word and you say, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. You pray over them and you expect to see results. You've got to see results. So anyway, um, eventually I got to a point in my life when I thought, you know, I, I, I'm just not seeing what God says in his word. There was a lot of things that didn't add up. I was in a marriage that was very, very um emotionally and mentally abusive and it's hard for me to even say that in front of my son but that's the truth and it was all because it was under this religious law system where the woman can't do this she can't you 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 barely can breathe on your own you've got to ask permission for everything and you're completely stifled and suppressed and oppressed Under the name of God. And I cried out to God. I said, God, that cannot be you. It just cannot be. And I said, you know, in my moment of desperation, I told God, you know, if this is what it is, I'd like to die and come to heaven because I don't see the point of me being here. The only reason I don't want to die right now is that my kids are not old enough. They're not, you know, uh, completely able to stand on their own. So I will be here until then. But you have to tell me something. And uh, anyway, long story short, I found out about Andrew Womack. Right. I started to listen to Andrew Womack. And I tell you, actually, it was my husband who found him first and said, oh, listen to this guy. And from the moment I heard him, I said, this is the answer.
0: Who is Andrew Womack?
1: Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Womack. Uh, well, he is a minister and uh, American. And uh, he has Bible schools <laughs> all over the world, really. But there's a Bible school in the UK as well. And, um, well, I don't know what else to say about Andrew. Look him up. <laughs> but he, his ministry has uh, it truly blessed me. You know, we put speakers in every bedroom. We were listening day and night. I started to understand that the gospel was actually good news. And that it was the grace of God that you came to Christ. It was through grace and faith. And that Jesus gave you his faith when you got saved, when you believed. You didn't even have to drum up some faith of your own. It was imparted. I began to understand certain things and I realized that I did have a calling. That I was not crazy. I wasn't this crazy woman who wants to minister wants to prophesy wants to lay hands on somebody it it was in me
0: so do you think you were always called to be a pastor
1: i believe so i believe i was because even when i was a teenager and i had i think i i just got saved i probably was in university so maybe a bit older than that say early 20 maybe like 20 years old my mother would would say to me um oh after church I'm going to come over with my friends. Her friends are all in the church, which was next door. And they'd be waiting for me. You know, there'd be four or five of them. And they'd be waiting for me to pray for them. You know, and they had physical problems, you know, leg problems, all sorts of things. And I would come and lay hands on them one after the other. And my mother just recognized that in me and would say, oh, you know, you must come. Um, She'd call me Ofo. Ofo will pray for you. And I remember there was one woman who was also in her church, she had cancer. And uh, my mom sent me all the way there, go and pray for so-and-so. I mean, this woman actually eventually died, but um, (laughs) well, because I did not really even know how to minister properly. I just knew God wants you well, uh, didn't understand how it works. He, and whilst I was praying for her, she was saying all sorts of negative things. I didn't know enough to say, no, you don't speak like that. You will have what you say. So here she is telling me, oh, nobody has faith enough to pray for me. And so on here, I'm trying to pray for her, you know, anyway, things like that. But, um, it, it, you know, I was never put off. I was never put off. I thought, you know, it's in the word I can find it. I'll keep going. So I come to a and telling God I can't take any more. He, um, you know, I find out about Andrew Womack, start listening And then I started to do their, um, they have a correspondence course, Caris correspondence course. I started to do um, that course. And the very first one was a sure foundation. Now somebody had actually, a pastor had prophesied to me and said, God's going to put you on a sure foundation. And she kept repeating a sure foundation. Mm. And then the first (laughs) lesson was a sure foundation. Boy, was God not speaking. I yeah. just listened. And from then on, I asked God for a, a church because so many churches I was in, um, it just seemed like I was maybe too much for them. They would want me, they, they automatically push me into some leadership position, which I didn't ask for. And then they would not want to hear what I had to say, you know. And so I realized, no, they don't want to know that. Um, I will not plow their fields the other way. The uh, best thing for me is to just leave and not, you know, you're, you're not supposed to go to places and I know this, so what? Nobody is interested. You just <laughs> go quietly. And, uh, but I was asking God, where can I go? And then I found uh, about Tree of Life. And this was, again, it was through the Bible correspondence course I was doing. Just on Facebook, I happened to see Ben speaking to somebody else, and he mentioned, now Ben is the pastor of Tree of Life Dagenham, and he is the pastor of the Tree of Life Network, so of which one, (laughs) one of which is uh, what for Tree of Life, so um, excuse the the English, Um, I'm a Ghanaian, you know, so yeah, anyway, shall I carry on?
0: yes and um yeah
1: so i so came to tree of life uh well after i'd seen them i contacted him and he said yeah we're starting a branch in watford and i I said i'm coming with my kids so we all went you all enjoyed it we started to attend right so we're just attending because one of the things god had said to me was i want you to go to the tree of life and i want you to learn I wasn't given anything to go and do. He, he told me, to, actually, it was two things, to learn and to help. So, I went to learn first.
0: And when was this, roughly?
1: Oh, uh, so, gosh. Was that? I think maybe 2011 or, like 12, or no. 12. Or 2012.
0: Yeah, maybe 11, 12.
1: It could have been a yeah. year before, 2011. But anyway, so we're, we're, we're tending and, um, you know... Ben would come and give us the word and it was so exciting because I was hearing well everything I've been hearing on Andrew Womack really uh, similar things you know it's the same concepts the same understanding and I thought wow this man is in the UK how is the UK not hearing this how are these churches going through the motions Sunday after Sunday they're going to church. They're going back with their problems. People I knew Christians who had been Christians for 10, 20 years. No change. No change. What does it take for change to come? And here I was hearing things that were, it was actually having an impact on me, on my life, on my children's lives. And I wanted to know more. I wanted to be there. And so, um, yeah, we were just going and eventually I started to do the teas and coffees in church Mm -hmm. because God said, help. Well, what can I do? I can do teas and coffees. So
0: that wasn't below you then?
1: Oh, of course (laughs) not. No. When God says help, you do whatever it takes. If you have to clean the toilets, go and clean them. If you put out the chairs, you put out, you know, we we were all doing it, as you know. And you just did it and you, you contributed whichever way you could because we were being fed and it was almost like god was it was super fast as well like (laughs) the holy spirit was just taking us through this almost like a crash course Mm -hmm. in unlearning all the junk and learning the truth
0: yeah
1: so anyway um so after a while you know i've been serving in the church i then um, stepped into the worship, right. again, I didn't ask. I was <laughs> minding my own business, and suddenly I had to step in. And anyway, you know, um, at that time we had a, a pastor um, called Patrick who was there for a while. Him, his mm-hmm. wife was also in the worship, and I used to do the worship with her.
0: Yeah.
1: And sometimes on my own. And I was just doing it because um, I loved worship. I'm a worshipper. Yeah. I love worship. Now, if you're a believer, it's one of the things you love. You So you can tell yourself, I love worship. I love to worship. So it was not hard for me to do that. Just being there, just worshipping God, leading the whole church in worship and so on. And as time went on, Patrick left. Patrick mm. and his wife left because they wanted to go and do something else. Yeah. And also it was vacant. Our position was... <laughs> we didn't have a pastor. And um, both Ben and Amanda asked me separately if I would consider it. And I thought, no, I don't want to be a pastor. And I'll tell you the reason why. I had seen close-up, first-hand, <laughs> well, not first-hand, but very close-up, mm. what pastors went through, how they were treated, how they were lied on, how they had all these chooks in the back on and on it goes we saw some in watford yeah even in that short time i was there i saw what happened with members of the church suddenly turning on the senior pastor and if it hadn't been for the fact that god prepared me for such things and said look i'm i'm sending you here for a purpose Mm -hmm. and when all of that went down i spoke to the pastor myself i said i want to hear from you not the rumors i'm hearing yeah. And different things people were saying. And, you know, yeah. he did speak to me. And I was like, you know, God told me to come. I don't buy into any of those things anyway. I'm going to carry on doing what God's told me. And so I, was, so I knew all of that. And I thought, I don't want to handle all of this sort of thing. and uh, But as I went away and I prayed about it, I felt like God saying, it's time to step up. Mm. It's time to step up. You've, I've been in the background all the time. I was happy being in the background, yeah. but now God said, it's time to go to the next level. The next level was me stepping up to start to pastor, because in between I was doing pastoring things already. <laughs> As I always say, I'm always doing something, preparing the word, giving the word, sharing it. Yeah. And Ben said... You're, uh, you're being asked to do something that you're already doing, basically.
0: You're <laughs> so you a de facto pastor. Already.
1: Exactly. And so it was that was it. And um, so that's how I started to pastor. And um, I'll tell you what, it's been such a privilege. It's a real pleasure to serve people. You know, pastoring is serving. Mm-hmm. You serve the congregation. You serve people. You, you see, you're all the sheep. Uh, um, the, What do you call them? Not the sheep. <laughs> the, shepherd. You, the shepherd. You are a sheep of God. Yes, you're one of them. Yeah. But you are the shepherd. You're called to shepherd those particular sheep. Right? And what does a shepherd do? They, they they give their lives. They give of themselves. They're constantly looking out for these sheep. Making sure they don't get lost. They don't get injured. Applying, you know, salve, balm. Encouraging them when they need to be encouraged. You know, this is the job of a pastor. You're not there to lord it over anyone. Mm. You're there to serve them and bring them to their full potential. Every single person is called of God to do something. And you need to uh, make sure that it is understood. Mm. So anyway, mm. yes.
0: So what's, what's some of the biggest challenges of pastoring you've found so far?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is finding out that only about 20% of the church (laughs) will actually do anything.
0: 80-20 rule.
1: Yes, it's actually true.
0: Pareto principle.
1: Yes. You find uh, there's always the core who are very faithful. They're carrying the burdens. And then you have the spectators who will come and they'll go. They don't ask how a chair got in place. They don't ask how it got put away. They don't ask how that place is clean or not clean. How the teas and coffees appeared. How they disappeared. Who <laughs> washed the dishes? No, no, who is paying for the lights? Who is paying for the space? They they just come, and they just go. Now, if you're new in a church, that's okay. If yeah. you're a baby, that's okay. A baby doesn't ask. How's the lights be bill being paid or You know, all they know is I'm fed when I'm hungry, I'm fed, I'm changed. I'm kept, kept comfortable. And so it's okay to begin that way, but there's something wrong. If after a number of years, you're still wanting to be fed and changed and carried around, you have not learned to walk, to run, to look after yourself, give yourself your own shower, you know, uh, make a little sandwich. You start from there. You start little by little. And, um, yeah, that's the biggest thing Mm. that you find that uh, so much is left to very few people. And we would be so much more efficient if more people saw themselves as being a part of that body and therefore contributing instead of spectating.
0: Mm. Yeah. Was it Jesus said, labor is a few... Our
1: the harvest is is ripe, yeah, ripe. <laughs> but the, labor yeah, the laborers. is a few you yes more. Yeah. yeah
0: but now i see that as well mm. but no that's amazing so you're a pastor now and yes so okay let's get into the, the controversy <laughs> that surrounds a woman being a pastor right um so we're going to look at the objections people have to it but firstly, obviously, you support women in leadership positions. Um, why do you do, like, why do you think that? Is well, a good thing?
1: if we go back to the beginning, I always like to go back to the very beginning of things. Yeah. It says in, in Genesis 1.27. In fact, I think I have it here, so I shall read it. Because you you see what God's intention was when he created man. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right. And then verse 28 says, then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth i'll stop there so you can see how what god said he created them male and female
0: yeah
1: and then he gave them a command which was to subdue the earth subdue the animal kingdom the plant kingdom the, the dust, everything was to come under them, both. It wasn't to come under Adam and, say, Eve or something else. E- Eve, uh, in case people are wondering, a woman is not an alien. <laughs> she is human.
0: Sometimes I question that. Like <laughs> <very angry.
1: laughs> she, she's actually human. She's actually made in the image of God, as yeah. you we just read. So he makes them male and female. What does he do? When he makes man, he says, man, it's not good for him to be alone. I'll make a helper for him. He didn't go to outer space and collect some things there, put it together, throw it together and say, okay, Adam here. No, he took out of Adam's own body. He brought the woman. You see, the spirit comes from God. That's why she's made in his image. But the, the body was in that same likeness because it's man. He That's why God called them both Adam. They were both Adam. He didn't call um, Eve Eve. He called Adam and Eve Adam because they were one in his sight. Right? Okay. So,
0: um, so Adam gave her the name
1: Eve. Adam gave her the name Eve after mm-hmm. the fall. Right? And then you will notice that when the fall happened, God told them some things that would happen. For example, he said to Adam, you will now, by the sweat of your brow, work on the land and, you know, basically you're going to suffer before yeah. you get anything. Yeah. And then he said to the woman, you are going to suffer in childbirth and you're going to, your husband is going to rule over you.
0: Yeah.
1: It was a curse. That was a curse. So that's what's going to happen because of what you've done. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah because of, and in fact, that original sin was not even attributed to um, Eve. It was really mainly attributed to Adam because it was he that God directly spoke to concerning that um, not eating of that tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, but nevertheless, they both sinned and they both got the consequences. And this is the beginning of this thing with men and women. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, you can see from that, that God has a different plan, a different thought, a different concept. Man and woman are coming out of him. Man Mm -hmm. and woman are meant to work together. Yeah. Man and woman are equal. Now, I I need to ask you this question. Could God oppress himself? No. Well, if he can't oppress any part of him, what makes men think that they can oppress women? Because both came out of him. How would God turn around and say, I don't really like my female attributes? Because God, you will see in other scriptures, he calls, he's compared to a mother eagle. He's -hmm. compared to a mother hen. He says, you know, I would gather you as a mother hen. He he has that nurturing side of him. Now, if you don't want that and you say that's feminine, well, then do without. I, I tell you what, I want to be nurtured. I want to be carried sometimes i want god to to you know cover me sometimes like a mother hen would now you go and be your match yourself and say yeah i can do it. i don't need you nurturing i don't need that because that is part of god do you know what i mean so um i started to see some of these things um about what a woman was really meant to be and then in fact when you go to galatians 3 13 It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That includes all of this. We have been redeemed. We, the believers, are really to showcase Mm -hmm. what God is really about. Our women should be the happiest. People should want to be Christians. They should want to marry Christians. They should want them, yeah, because they can see the freedom that these women have, their ability, the power, how powerful they are, how they're able to fulfill their dreams. Not look at it and say, you know what, I'll give it, I'll pass. Mm-hmm. Why? Because in the world, you'll see a judge, she's a woman. You see the surgeon, consultant surgeon, she's a woman. You'll see the head of the pharmaceutical uh, industry or whatever, she's a woman. You see heads of things, women doing things. Mm-hmm. And yet in the church, and and not thankfully not all of the church but in the church in general women are being suppressed yeah. and being told they can't do certain things
0: mm. so god has both male and female attributes yes and that's where the male and female we see today has come from yes so there's value in both yes and they both bring something to the table but what if Okay, so one objection, kind of a more general one is, yes, but they've been created for different roles. And a woman's role is not one of leadership. A man has been created for that, like as part of God's order. How would you respond to that? Uh,
1: Well, I would say that is not true. That is failing to recognize that the woman was made and she's equal you failing to recognize that just because you have a different role does not make you less than. You may have a different role in that, for example, women, you know, maybe they have children and they, they're they the weaker sex, meaning that physically they're weaker. Yeah. Okay. That's a fact. It's true. The man is physically stronger. That's why he's meant to protect Now, um, so if the woman is physically weaker, but she's stronger in other ways, for example, she can bear that child, Mm -hmm. she can carry it for nine months, she can give birth to it, she can then nurture it, she can, all of the while keeping the home, doing a number of other things. There's something that God's put in women, they are able to kind of multitask more and get other things done. They are emotionally very strong. They have these instincts that, you know, if you're married to a woman who is godly, you, you should be listening to her. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be listening to what she's saying because you could miss a lot of things. So there are other, other things that she's stronger in. Yeah. And that's just because God knows that, you know, like it says in the word, a man a woman came out of man, but man comes out of woman. Yeah. So one can't do without the other. And to dismiss that side and say, you know, well, you can never be a leader. You can never be a this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, it's ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. You've got doctors. You've got surgeons. You've got all these, as I mentioned before. And also, even if it's in a home setting, mm-hmm. say, let's say somebody is making blankets or whatever it is, they're knitting something. Do you know how to knit? No, I uh-huh. What if you need a blanket? Would you you ask the one who knows how to do it, to do it for you? Yes. In doing so, what do you think you're doing? You are deferring to somebody's superior knowledge in some area. Right, yeah. You see, so in life, we have to do that all the time, whether it's a man or a woman. Now, she may be the leader in this knitting thing or in this cooking thing or in this, you know, think of something that we would say, okay, it's a female Thing maybe hair doing hair or something like that, yeah. you know. Or it could be the other way around. You don't ask and say, "Oh well, I don't think I want a woman uh, making blankets for me. I don't want a woman sewing jackets for me. Or oh, I don't want a woman doing this that." You know, you gotta be crazy. Are you going to look for a man? Is she? She might be a leader in that field. You know, but we don't question these things.
0: Yeah. What if they're talking specifically about the church then?
1: Well, that's again, this is where there's a problem. Because if you are hypocritical enough to have a woman GP, and in fact, I know somebody who has this very view, who had to be rushed to hospital when he had a burst appendix. Now, when he was writhing in agony on that bed, he didn't ask whether it was a man or a woman. In fact, women surgeons came to give their opinion and he was all ears. You see how hypocritical that is. You were on the one hand. Oh, well, I don't want the woman in the church doing anything. But on the other hand, she should take a sharp knife and Mm. cut into your body. You trust her to do that, you know? So you're trusting women in life matters of life and death. Mm. And yet saying, uh, well, she shouldn't speak. I might get offended if she speaks in church, Mm. Uh, but she can speak if I let her speak. Uh, well, should she speak or should she not, or oh, she can sing? You know, did you know that singing is speaking in a song? So you, you can't get by with that. Okay. Oh, well, if she's doing worship, that's all right. No, no, listen, guy, she's speaking in the song. Yeah. Oh, she can share testimony. Uh, guess what? Testimony requires words. She doesn't stand there, look <laughs> a certain way. Then you know, the testimony, she opens her mouth and begins to speak. This is why this whole thing is insane yeah. because where do you draw the line? And this is, so man has made their own rules, their own, you know, we, I know of churches where they're having, um, you know, a convention, something for women, men are not allowed to be there. Something goes wrong. Some technical thing. A man has got to come in and sort it out. The woman must all freeze in position whilst he passes the, uh, you know, on the platform to sort out the thing. And then when he's coming, they immediately stop talking so that he can pass.
0: Mannequin challenge. Yeah. Until the man leaves.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So if an un- a non-Christian sees this, yeah. do you think they want to come into the church? They know you're not right in the head. <laughs> they know that. <laughs> and so they're not going to want to do it because you, we know it's lying to oneself. Mm. You got to lie to yourself to say, I'm not going to allow a woman to, to preach or to teach or mm. to be in that, a position of authority. Yep. because in every other way, when you find a woman in the position of authority, men, if it's going to help you, you don't speak. You, somebody actually told me, oh, well, you can't even lay hands. You shouldn't be. And I said, that is wicked. You know why? So supposing you meet a situation, the person is dying. You know the truth. You say, I'm a woman, so I can't do it. Sorry, you're going to have to die on this occasion. Really? Mm. You know, so anyway, let's mm. carry on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so then let's look at some scriptures specifically that are often used to right. say women cannot preach or be leaders in the church. Mm. So the first one I wanted to start with is 1 Corinthians 14. Right. This okay. is probably the most popular mm. and the most used. So I'll, I'll read verse 34, well you know you can read mm-hmm. up and down to get a bit more context if like as you want but okay. i'll just read the specific verse that is used and that's 1st corinthians 14 verse 34 mm-hmm. so it says let women keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but they are to be submissive as the law also says right doesn't that on its face say women can't speak
1: on the surface it would appear that he's saying that. Mm-hmm. But if when you look at this scripture, you have to ask yourself some questions. I mean, if you you can't be as shallow as to say, oh, he must be saying women should never speak. Everybody knows that's not right. Mm-hmm. It, and it can't be. So what do we do? We have to look at the context with, within which this is being said and what's going on with the letter. Now, we know Corinthians was a letter
0: yeah.
1: that Paul wrote. This letter was in a format called a responser. A responser simply means that it's the reply to a letter that has been written to him.
0: So, the way he's written Corinthians in places, he's responding to things that the Corinthian church has said to him. Yes.
1: He's responding to things that the Corinthian church has said to him or asked him about. Right? You can see even from... um, um, verse uh, chapter 7 onwards you can see that he's answering questions right because he will say things like now concerning this or now concerning in chapter 8 to now concerning things uh, like spiritual gifts actually that was in chapter 12 you see he's responding to a question has, has been asked and this continues on even to uh, chapter 14 mm-hmm. right Yep. Now, when I mentioned about these responses, these are actual, vo- there are actual volumes of this kind of writing present today. These letters were written to rabbis, yeah. okay, or teachers to ask them uh, concerning a matter that's going on in the church. How do we handle this? What do we do about this? How do we walk out this? And so on. And he would reply. Okay. And that's why they're writing to Paul, who they consider. He's like a rabbi the he, he the, you know to get his wisdom on it and so um the one thing he's not doing is giving us a new um church doctrine
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's not doing that right so when we look at it we will see how where the question came in and it says here that let's just go back back up a little bit He's telling them about things, how to conduct yourself in various ways, you know, even in speaking tongues and interpretation. Mm. Let two or three speak and so on. And then he, when he gets to 34, he's quoting what they've said. This is what they said. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. How do I know it's a quote? Because mm. the law never said there's, you can read the Bible for Go to the Old Testament. Go to the Torah. There's nowhere that it tells women not to speak, not to... Uh, they, they must be silent. In fact, in the Old Testament, you had um, prophets and judges who were female. You had military leaders who were female. There was Huldah. There was Deborah. There was, uh, uh, you know, different ones who took action like Abigail, mm. Rahab. You had Esther. You know, these were women who came, you know, rose to the forefront and took action. They didn't cower and say, well, I'm a woman, I'm not allowed to speak. If you are not allowed to speak, are you allowed to move? In fact, are you allowed to breathe? Mm. You know, they didn't behave like that. You can see that God used these women. He didn't make a distinction and say, I'm sorry, you're a woman, I'm not going to use you. You know, ridiculous. So he quotes this, you know that this is not coming from Paul. That's how you know, because in in the Bible, they've just written it all out. It looks Mm. as if he's saying everything. He's not. He quotes and he answers. So here he answers. And in this version, you don't see it here, but in King James, he goes, what? That's
0: the response.
1: That's the response. Mm. He says, what? What? Yeah, it carries on. You know, like he said, he's quoting 34, 35. He quotes from them. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. And then in King James, he goes, what? Hmm. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it was, it, was, it reached? In other words, are you the only, you think that you know better than God? Mm. That you are quoting this. And he goes on to say, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. And if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Mm. You know, he's saying no. Why? The very letter that got to them was taken by a woman. She may even have read it to them, as was the practice then. So he's saying what? That's not the case. It Mm. shall not be so among you.
0: Mm. And then in verse 39, he says, desire earnestly to prophesy. Exactly. I Mm. was coming to that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And do not forbid to speak in with tongues. And do not forbid. Did he say,
1: did he make Mm. a distinction there? No. No, he did not.
0: Yeah. In fact, is he specifically referring to forbidding women from speaking in tongues here?
1: No, because he says... Pro- maybe I mean, they were. It could be. I don't know. But he's saying. He's gone on to say. After saying what and all that. Right. Now he says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly. Brethren is who? Is men? Is it men alone? Everyone. Everybody. Yeah. Desire earnestly to prophesy. How does one prophesy? Do there, Do are there people who prophesy silently? I want to find them. No. no. So and do not forbid to what speak, in tongues. Do you speak in tongues sort of in your eyes or something else? Is it not your tongue that you must open and speak? So it it, it contradicts right there, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you see? And so you have to get into it, get the meat out of it, and not just take at face value because, and I believe people who take at face value already have that agenda within them. Therefore, they find something they think, oh, that supports my position. They don't let the word get in the way. Mm. Not at all of their feeling or their philosophy or, you know, as long as I can make it fit my philosophy, that's good enough. And this is where some of the things have come about where women are being told, be quiet. And then if we go back, even if you were to say he was saying to them, let them learn in. um, let They're not permitted, permitted to, be, to speak, but they are to be submissive. Yeah, Everybody is supposed to be submissive not just the woman mm-hmm. and we have a scripture supporting that and what's that and it's in Ephesians five twenty-five. in fact it is the very chapter where we see what God says to the man and what God says to the wife mm-hmm. but he begins let's just go to it you'll see how um he begins by saying something at the very beginning and so let's go to 20. Right, let me see if I can find it. So, Ephesians right,
0: let's 5. Go. Ephesians this 5. Is, this is also quite a well known passage. Yeah. Where certain instructions are given. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, wives submit to your husbands. Yes. One. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Right. Now, You're saying submission, which is a big topic within itself, but it connects to what we're talking about. So, you're saying everyone has to submit in some sense.
1: Yes, because it says here in verse 21, this Mm. is um, Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God.
0: Mm.
1: This is everyone is supposed to submit to one another, if yep. you're in the body of Christ, we are meant to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mm. So it's on the backdrop of that, he goes on to say, For the, the um, wife, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord.
0: Yeah,
1: for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. I don't think I need to go explain deep into this. You mm-hmm. can hear the words that are being said. Head of the wife, Christ is head of the church, and he is what? Savior. Mm-hmm. So man, this the headship requires you being a savior. You're giving of yourself, even unto death. You are meant to... to um. Love your wives in that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And then he goes on to say, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In other words, your wife is meant to be subject to this loving that you are loving here. This is what you've been asked to do. And you see, one of the things I, was, uh, I found out is that submission is inside love. Mm-hmm. And love is inside submission. That's why, uh, uh, you know, God doesn't say to the woman, oh, well, you just submit to to him. Never mind about loving him. You don't have, you can hate him. Submit to him. That's not submission. Mm. That is oppression. That is abuse. You don't do that. You've got, you submit to someone because you love them. You love someone because you can submit to them. Mm. Okay. So the two are always working one to the other. Yeah. And so he says um, in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself, Mm. gave himself for her that he might, what, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish it's a lot it's very deep in there there's a lot that he's saying so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body
0: so why do you think there's a specific emphasis on wives submitting to husbands
1: because men don't want to do this they they want to emphasize just submit to me it doesn't matter what i do it doesn't matter whether i even have a mission or i don't have a mission it doesn't matter whether i know where i'm going or i don't know where i'm going i just want to be in control and so you, they see submission as an issue of control. Submission is actually the freedom to serve another person. It's voluntary. It's not by force. If you mm-hmm. force submission, it's not biblical, you know, submission. It becomes an abusive situation, mm-hmm. an oppressive situation. Um, you know, this is what is not understood. And he's meant, so when two people are getting married, this is what the man is saying, I'm going to be doing. This is what the woman is saying I'm going to be doing. Why? Because they're both working towards that very same goal. You see, mm. it's the same goal. It's not one side submits, but I don't. I just give the shots. Or I'm doing loving you and doing everything for you, but I'm going just going to rebel and I'll do something else I like.
0: Mm. So is submission the same as obedience? If If so,
1: submission includes obedience, right? It does. Mm. It includes obedience because again, how would you obey someone when you don't love them? You don't trust them. You don't uh, respect them. You can't do it. You see, you you, you respect. Let me just put it this way. You know, there's a scripture that says we love God because he first loved us. Yeah. Why is it that we love him because he first loved? See, we saw we could trust him. We saw that he brought himself to our level. We saw he put us first. We saw he was doing good to us, that he wanted the best for us. So you can love. You love back. You respond. And in loving back, you are submitting. You're saying, yes, I want this. It's a submission. This is why... The word submission has been so abused and so misused as to put you off the moment you hear it. But in actual fact, it runs throughout the word. Submitting one to another, submit to God and flee from the devil. Mm. You submit to God, you submit to your pastor, you submit to your um, boss, for example. Different ways that... Submit, you submit to somebody who you've asked to make something for you. There's a mutual submission. I'll do this for you. You give me this money. Mm. Okay. In business, you are doing the submitting and someone else will, is also submitting to you in order to get something done. Mm. It's not a one size thing. Well, some people do all the submitting and some people do none of the submitting. That's not love. You're not doing the first thing you were even told love because yours carries more than just submission. <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that it's a it's a mutual thing. you just got to you know, you submit to one another another out of reverence for Christ. It's not a straitjacket of mindless obedience. Otherwise, you wouldn't have heard Peter saying, we will obey God rather than man. Mm. Why didn't they just say, well, okay, you're in this um, environment. They, these are the leaders. They're telling you what to do. And you just submit. Does the Bible not tell us to obey our leaders? Yeah. So why are we supporting them when they're saying, no, we're not going to obey you. We'll obey God. This, re- this is also included in this. Mm. In the sub- Just remember that. Mm. I will obey God rather than you. So, if you start to mistreat and harass and torment, I'm not going to submit to that. Mm. I'm going to call you up on it mm. and say, you need to be doing... You, you, you know, I'm not, you're going to not talk to me like this. You're going to not, you know, yeah. oppress me.
0: Mm. What you said about God first loving us is quite a big thing here, I think, because knowing God loves you unconditionally that helps you to submit to him because yes love creates trust exactly if you know someone loves you unconditionally you trust them you trust them when you trust them you'll submit to them
1: it's automatic
0: so yeah
1: it really is you know and i I say this so many times that if you would just do what god said so your wife will trust that completely Right. right And there's no, you know, this is automatic. That That's the reason why God didn't say to the woman, uh, well, love the man. He knows she's going to love the man. She's not, he's not saying from today onwards, woman, there's only one thing required of you, submission, no love. And he's not saying to the man from today onwards, there's no submission involved in, in this love. Because both of them have the other in it. And one cannot work without the other. You can't love Mm. without submission. You can't submit without loving.
0: And so it's part of the reason these are the instructions given because men and women being, you know, different in certain ways Mm. and different things, that they have kind of a proclivity to tilt one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And so the emphasis for the man is on, loving yes the woman. yes the emphasis for the woman is, is submitting
1: submitting to that love right yeah submit you know I'll, I'll give you an example i've 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 met people and the man was loving he's trying to do the right thing he's being the man of the house he's he's you know serving her serving her in every way he can he's providing for her he's you know whatever she needs he's ready for her to have it and what does she do throws it in his face completely doesn't want to listen to him wants to do her thing go out when she wants do this when she wants and you know all in the name of I'm independent well you don't need to be with that guy go and find your own independent self wherever you are and continue because you are throwing it back in his face you are to submit to his goodness, his kindness, his gentleness to you, his helping of you. His, you know, his voice is important to you. Why is his voice so important? Because you love him and you respect him. So when he's saying, you, you know, you, you're listening. Now, let's put it the other way, where the man is abusive, dismissive, demeaning, oppressing. You can't have this. I mean, I was in a situation, I couldn't use my own address. I couldn't have a bank account. I couldn't even have a British driving license for crying out loud. You know, you can't speak in church. You can't stand over there. You can't You can't wear this. You can't wear that. That's not submission. That was abuse. Mm-hmm. And because for years I was trying to wrestle with these things, what? where am I? I didn't want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure I understand it. I spent a lot of time looking at these verses and saying, okay, Where do I draw the line? And God started to show me that in actual fact, I was responsible for some of the abuse in that I had not only put up with it, but I had enabled it. Mm -hmm. You see, again, you're not meant to enable abusive behaviors. You are supposed to draw boundaries and say no. And I tell you, it's a shame that so many uh, men, especially are allowed to be carnal, to be immature, mm. to be, oh, I'll have it my way or else. It's always me. I'm taking the highway and the high road. And this is what I say. This is my house. This is my drink. And this is my food and my this, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You see it all the time. And they, they claim to be married. It's not a marriage. It's a joke. <laughs> a sham. You know, and you, you have to a you,
0: shambles.
1: completely, because if you don't want to marry a human, then you gotta find some other species. Yeah. And if you're marrying a species like yourself, <laughs> then they are like you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, mm. that's a joke. But yeah, you get the point.
0: Mm. Okay. So we've touched on submission a bit there. Let's come back to another scripture that's used to say women cannot lead or speak or be in a right. position of leadership. First Timothy.
1: Right, let's go there.
0: Well, in fact, we'll start at 11. Okay. But I'll just read this and then you can give us your thoughts on it. So 11 says, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Right. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. I'll right. stop there. You can okay. read some other verse if you want. But, um, right. Yeah, what, so...
1: Um, I wanted to just go back a little bit, actually, because... Um, just see, is it verse 8? Where he says... Okay, in verse 8, you see what he says there. He says, I desire, therefore, that, that the men... Pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, yeah. without wrath and doubting. See that that I notice that because in this same letter that he says what he says later, he told the men, "Pray with lift your hands." Why they're not lifting their hands? They're vexing. They're getting annoyed. <laughs> you you can't tell me lift my hands. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm a man. Blah blah blah. Because it says without wrath, they're getting vexed and doubting they're doubting this whole thing no I'm not doing this okay people are bristling and so on then he goes also in like manner so also you the woman don't come there you've adorned yourself with this are you think that's all there is to you you know but instead it should be uh, you know what's within because it says in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation not with braided hair and, or gold or pearls or costly clothing. He's not saying don't ever wear them. See, we always want to say what isn't there. He's not saying that. He's, not, he's just saying don't use this yeah. as the forefront. This is who I am. I'm adorned in all these things. But that, you, you, you know, it's not proper for women professing godliness with good works. So he's even telling them how to behave concerning their clothing you see, concerning how you carry yourself. And then it's it, not because you shouldn't braid your hair or you shouldn't have gold. And I'm telling you, he says, don't stick out like a sore thumb. And I'm, there are places where you will find the woman, their, their dress is up to the ground. They are wearing some jacked up scarf or whatever. They look terrible. And it is an eyesore and you will notice it. The Bible says, don't make yourself stand out in that manner. Mm-hmm. So even with the lack of braids and lack of this you're making yourself a spectacle because people will look at you what's wrong with hair? you know no you're not meant to do that either okay so let's come to woman let a woman learn in silence with all submission Mm. right now i don't see anything wrong with this being said here do you know why why because let's put it the other way let a man learn in all chaos noise and shouting and rebellion does that sound good
0: no that doesn't work
1: yeah so is a man going to be learning in silence with all submission yes or no
0: yes if he's going to learn
1: exactly i rest my case (laughs) so this is what we do we hear let's a woman learn in silence and then we think oh that means that it's only women then we start extrapolating things and pulling things from thin air to put on the woman that's not what he's saying at all he's addressing a specific problem obviously Mm. In that church, and it's something to do with women, it's something to do with the way they are even appearing. It's something to do with the, with the their behavior in whatever the congregation is. Now, one of the things we do know is that um, in, in Ephesus, where Timothy was, there we, we all know that there was this uh, female cult over there, mm-hmm. and it was called Artemis or Diana, or the goddess Diana or something. And they did all sorts of horrible practices. Mm. You know, they went as far as to break men's legs to stop them from running away or from uh, opposing them in any way. They Mm. wanted to subdue men, get them right under their thumb. Okay. Mm. So that was their attitude. And these people now, they've gotten saved. They've come into the church. Goodness knows how they're behaving. That's why he addresses the apparel, the clothing. Yeah. There's a certain way the cult demands the women dress and they're bringing it in. There's a certain way they behave towards men. They're bringing that in. And he begins to tell them, don't do that. Adam was actually formed first, then Eve. I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now, this uh, um, verse, I've heard it said that it's speaking about the husband, Mm -hmm. okay, of the woman. But even there, I don't, I, I personally, I don't buy that because mm. if you say it's just the husband, if he's talking about, I don't permit the woman to teach or have authority over the man, uh, the man or the husband, <laughs> the husband yeah. then in that case, she's not allowed to ever say, um, honey. Let's see what, you know, I saw this in First Timothy 2.12, or I saw this in Galatians 3.13, or I saw this in Genesis. Let's read it. This is what God is telling me. This is what, she's not supposed to say anything. She must just be dumb. Look at you. And, you know, and apparently there are cults where the woman will not, she can't even speak. She has to put her hand up and the woman, husband will give her permission. She can't think for herself. She doesn't read the Bible. She reads only where her husband says she can read now that to me is a man taking god's place being god to someone it's ungodly it's from the pit of hell right so he's merely putting things in order and saying you know eve was adam was formed first then eve adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived fell into transgression Again, people use this, oh, you see, it's the woman who did this and her brain is small and she doesn't got sense, blah, blah. No, he's pointing out something. He says first, Adam first. So Adam knew the truth. He was not deceived. Mm-hmm. It's Eve who was deceived, right? So he's saying it's a double-edged thing. He's saying here that um, she fell into transgression because she was deceived. Adam, you weren't <laughs> deceived. You did it intentionally. Nevertheless, he goes on, he says, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith. And again, people use this to say, oh, you see, you're supposed to just have bare children and God will save you in childbirth and so on. And so that's it. Mm -hmm. No, childbearing is just part of your, you know, things that you can do. (laughs) It's only part. And he says that you don't even have to suffer the whole thing in childbearing. You can believe if you continue in faith, you can believe. And, you know, you know, the story of how you were born. You were born in 45 minutes flat. And you when I was pregnant with you.
0: I've always been fast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was. He's actually an athlete as well. But anyway, you know, I was told all sorts of things that, you know, there was a problem and I had to have surgery and this and that. And I just started applying the word of God and I was saved in childbearing, Mm. you know, just as he says here. Because I continue to to believe. And so he's not making a new doctrine for church to say, now that's what it is. You've got to take other scriptures into account. Mm. And in other places, you see Paul uh, supporting equality. You see Paul calling women fellow workers, fellow apostles. Mm. You see, uh, you know... So many times he's describing them as his fellow workers and so on. He can't at the same time say they should be silent. How are you going to be a fellow worker when you're you're mute? Mm. How can I give the letter to you to take and possibly read if you are not permitted to speak? He's addressing a specific problem in that church.
0: Okay, so in that church, they had an issue where women, because of the you know the practices the goddess they had mm. they would be an authority and subdue men and all sorts of things yeah so just come back to verse 11 and 12 11 you're saying you cannot learn at all without submitting and being quiet like that's the nature of learning you sit down you submit yourself and you listen yes right so in, in a sense that applies to both men and
1: it men. applies to everyone who wants to learn
0: <clears throat> yeah so verse 12, you're saying you don't think this is necessarily talking about the husband, which is some people's interpretation. Yes,
1: some people say that. I don't think so, because, again, you can't apply it perfectly. You are going to have to pretend something does not apply in order for you to even live with your wife normally. Mm-hmm.
0: So why so, do you think he...
1: Um, Well, one of the things I found out was that the word authority that's used here is a Greek word called Mm authention. And it actually means the misuse of authority or unusual use of power.
0: Mm.
1: That would put a different context, a whole uh, uh, connotation to this. Supposing it says, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have unusual power. Or to have um, misuse of authority.
0: I know some versions say to usurp authority.
1: Or to usurp authority. All of them, I think, are valid. Mm. Let's read it again and say usurp, for example, which are in other translations. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have or to usurp over a man, but to be in silence. Why would he say that? Could it be? that the, the the women didn't know Jack, <laughs> knew nothing. They've come in. They want to usurp authority. They want to go and stand up there. They said, you know, I don't care whether he's a senior pastor or whatever. I've got something to say. Actually, we, have a situ- we had a situation like that recently. Mm. A lady came to our church. She decided that she wanted to tell our senior pastor, Ben, what to do, what to preach. And if she couldn't do it, she was leaving. Now, that would apply to her. Because it would be keep quiet, sit down, and listen. <laughs> right, right, right. Do you see what I mean? And so this is happening not just with one woman. In our case, we've seen a woman do it. We've seen, you know, here and there, other women do it. But here, there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. They've come. They want to uh, enforce the Diana, the goddess's practices mm-hmm. in the church. You know, I was. Um, there's, there's a church, there's a... There's a village in Kenya where it's all women, all women, no men allowed. The chief is a woman. Everybody is the only men. there are young, like boys and teenagers and so on. Now, when you get to the age of 18 and you're a a, a man, they will ask you if you are willing to submit to the authority there. If not, then you must leave. Okay. Now. You know, maybe it's not the best comparison, but supposing they took that into a church and said, we are supposed to lead this whole thing. We're not allowing no man to come and do this, that, and the other, regardless of whether there was a man there already when we came or not, we are here. We're going to take over. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Again, this would apply. Keep quiet, Mm. sit down. If you want to be part of this, you sit down, you listen, you learn.
0: Yeah. So the to be in silence part, we kind of mentioned this from First Corinthians 14, Again, yes. That, you know, it doesn't mean they can never speak because, you know, back in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about women prophesying that requires speaking. You know, he talks about speaking in tongues, again, speaking. So it doesn't mean you can never speak. But in the context of learning and submitting to an authority that's in place, you have to be quiet yes you can't be disrupting. you can't
1: be disrupting <clears throat> you can't take over right yeah. you can't take charge right. you can't get up and say well i feel a prophecy coming on and i don't care where in the meeting we are i'm going to say my piece no you yeah. keep quiet you you've, you you know if you're going to speak in that way you would ask the permission of the pastor or the leader whoever is there you know, and you, don't, you can't say, for example, well, I'm a man, so I shall do exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. So you come into a church, you start throwing your weight around, you start saying what you like, and I'm going to know it's not going to be done this way, it's going to be done that way because, well, I'm a man. Well, you're not the only man there. What if all of them, all the men, imagine if this is true, and all the men can do anything they like, and all the men can do nothing. Okay, let's take it to be so. So here's a church, there are 30 men in there. 100 men in there, 200, 500, 1,000, all of them feel the same way. Mm. Will there be a church?
0: No, nah, that would be chaos. No a-
1: impossible. So we know he's not saying that you, you because you happen to be male, come and throw your weight about here. Come and instruct the senior pastor, instruct them, whoever is in authority, I'm in authority too. No, so it's not that. So, um, yeah, it, you know, some of these things, if you apply, if you can apply it, mm. let's say women be silent silence and this and that, be in submission, don't say anything. Can you apply it to the end? If you can't, you know, that he can't be telling you that because mm. God does not contradict himself. Yep. If uh, Jesus, he told us about the, the, the kingdom principles, he told us in um How the rulers of the ungodly would lord it over them, and that it should not be so amongst us. Yeah. How is it that when it comes to women, it shall be so amongst you? Mm. You see, we have to remember everything he said, his whole attitude to women, the fact that he even had them in his ministry, and allowed them to travel with him, to even support him. He didn't say, "Oh no, 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 you're a woman, huh? You don't have money." uh, let me, yeah, yes, uh, Judah, see whether you can give us some few coins from the coffers.
0: What about, why was, why were the disciples all men?
1: I believe they were all men because, again, because of the culture. Mm-hmm. Because they were very close. They were, now remember that the disciples, there were more disciples than the, the twelve.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And many of them were women. Mm-hmm. Okay. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? Yeah. Mary did something that was very unusual in that instead of going to the back there and cooking, whilst the men were there listening to the rabbi, Mm -hmm. she broke all rules, all conventions, and went and sat at the feet of Jesus.
0: She learned in submission.
1: Exactly. (laughs) She sat at his feet. Now, when they say you sit, sit at somebody's feet, it means that you are a disciple. You're not just hearing, you know, let's just hear this and go my way. No, you've sat under him. Yeah. That's what she did. And she was not meant to do that. And who objected? Martha. Martha says, here I am. I'm doing the usual woman things. And she's there. Instead of cooking with me, she's there sitting at your feet, thinking that Jesus would say, yes, Mary, don't you know your place? Go back there and go and do the cooking. Mm. What did Jesus say? He said, leave her alone. She's chosen the better part.
0: Yeah.
1: She saw that this is what I'm to do. And Jesus supported her, Mm. approved of it. So how can he then later on say, no, you know, you must, because I know churches where the women sit at the back, all of them. I know churches where they, okay, the women sit where they like, but they can't be a leader. Mm -hmm. Some of them, they say that you can't do anything, but you can preach to the children. Is Are children part of the body of Christ or not?
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: But you can preach to them. You know, they keep making these distinctions here and there. All man-made. That's mm-hmm. why you can never be consistent. Yeah. It's got to be completely inconsistent because I think the woman can speak. I think she can't. I think she can speak, share her testimony, but she cannot preach. I think she can prophesy, but she cannot this. Who who brought all those things? Man. Yeah. So, um, yes, we see that um, it, it's not giving us a doctrine that we are to follow. It's not. It's addressing a, a situation, problem. Mm-hmm. a problem in a church. And, you know, you see these these problems happen even today. Mm-hmm. You know, women doing things like this. It's it happening now. And, you know, men also. So, we know he didn't say men should learn in chaos and learn in rebellion and learn he's even telling them stop being angry lift up holy hands stop the doubting because mm. they must have been now does that mean uh, we're going to apply this to say you know as for men we yeah, we found out one thing about them they are always angry they won't lift up their hands and we won't they're always doubting based on this scripture are we going to do that no no so why are we taking another scripture to apply to all women everywhere at all times Do you see my point? Yeah. And so, Mm. you know, you only try to apply this if you already have it against women Mm. in the first place. Yeah. Because if you don't, you would see that, no, it cannot be every woman is being told to keep quiet. Mm. Some are being told to keep quiet. There's a reason for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To read on then. Yes. We'll go through one more main objection used. And it's a natural continuation because we just read 1 Timothy 2 up to verse 15. So let's just go into First Timothy three, okay, and this says, "This is a faithful saying: If a man desires the position of a bishop, right, he desires a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, good good behavior, hospitable, able to teach." Mm-hmm. Now, the part which is emphasized is yeah. husband of one a of wife. one wife. Yes, doesn't that mean it has to be a man
1: no again this is how we interpret the bible all the time we want to say what it did not say yeah we are always taking a verse and saying that implies that or that means this or that means that he's saying this he, he has not said anything about a woman mm-hmm. he's addressing a situation like we saw earlier with um in 1 Timothy 2, 12, again, he's addressing a problem. So he's now addressing the men. And he's saying, it, it, you know that back then, it was quite common for men to have more than one wife. Mm-hmm. You know, culturally acceptable. Yeah. Okay. So it would be that. And he's saying he sh- if he desires that position, he's going to be an example. So he should be, um, have just the one wife, And he should also be temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior. There are other things he's saying. It's not only you're married to one woman. That's not enough. You must be sober. Sober Sober-minded is not just I'm drunk and I'm sober. Mm -hmm. It means that you are focused. You are uh, kind. You are doing what's right. You're good to your wife. These are all part of being sober-minded and of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. All of these things are being, you know, told him, not given to wine, not violent, not violent. And yet we have men today who are men of God, violent towards their wives, violent, Mm. you know, and those who are not violent because they're scared of the law and going to prison. They use their tongue instead and they use manipulation and all kinds of tactics to subdue and to reduce the wife. In some way, you know, he's saying, don't be like this, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well. How do you rule your house well? Again, we immediately go to a carnal way of thinking because we think of ruling as somebody with a big stick, holding everybody at ransom and making them do stuff. We've Mm -hmm. just read um, what Jesus said the rulers of the ungodly Lord ate over you. It shall not be so among you. What about that? Don't we understand? Mm. So when you hear uh, the word rules his own house well, guess what he's doing? He's serving his own house. Well, he's not letting them run around with rags on their backs. He's not neglecting their education. He's not neglecting their food or where they'll sleep. He's facilitating things for them, ruling his house well. That's what it means, okay? Mm. He's not violent. He says having his children in submission with all reverence, and so his children are in submission to him. They look to him. They are looking to him. They are depending on him. They are what loving him. This is what this is the picture. You see, not somebody's got a big stick. I call the shots. My house is a prison. If you're in this home, you're more or less in bostal or in prison. And I rule it with, no, no, the ungodly do that. Yeah, You don't do that. That's not the way. And so he says all of this. And it's not because he's saying a a woman can't be a bishop. The woman in their culture did not have this problem he's addressing here.
0: Yeah, it seems also if you're going to read The Husband of One Wife, yes it has to be a man then you also have to read it as it has to be a married man husband of one what wife
1: what about the single men
0: that would rule out paul for straight
1: one. away because he was not married <laughs> i don't and think timothy was i don't yeah, think he was either so there are man. many many men that so would not be that's why it's what he's saying don't don't try to dredge up what is not being said in order to make a doctrine and make an application from there. This is where you're going to run into problems because you're going to say, oh, well, okay, it's just a a man of but one wife. So, okay, the bishop can only be married and and so on. Mm. And then you ignore everybody else. Suddenly you've got a bishop who's not married, you're in trouble. You've got a bishop who's a woman, you're in trouble. How do you reconcile the thing? Mm. You see, and this is where you begin to sear your conscience because you've got to lie to yourself now. You've got to be a hypocrite in order to even run the church. Mm. And God has not put that on any of us.
0: Yeah. Another interesting point, which kind of sealed it for me. Mm. In verse 12, he also says, let deacons be the husbands of one wife. Yes. In Romans 16.1, he says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who mm-hmm. is a deacon of the church. Exactly. In St. Shriak. And I looked up the Greek words just yeah. to check. It's the exact same word. Diaconus. If that's pronounced it's correctly. Deacon or servant. Or
1: servant. Yes.
0: So he can't be saying
1: He can't be saying no because he commends Phoebe. Because he commends Phoebe. He you know, like he said, he let the deacons be the husband of one wife ruling their children and their house as well. And he he's not saying that if you are uh, uh, unmarried, mm. you can never be, or if you are female you can never be. He never yeah. said any of that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if we, like you've just said, you see in other places where Paul is commending women yeah, and calling them his fellow workers and so on. So that's not what he's saying at all. This is the thing where we take something out of context and we want to make all sorts of things out of it, which the Bible never said. And like I always say, when you read some of these things, do you think that um, he's saying the opposite then for the other side, the other gender? Of course not.
0: No. Mm.
1: So we can't uh, just contradict all the teachings, Take pull out a few verses and make an entire doctrine, an entire mm. um, law out of it. You know, we're called to be free from the law. Yeah and you know one of the things that amazed me was when in the old testament even under the old testament with all the laws they had mm-hmm. they never said that to a woman don't speak mm. they never said that that's why you had prophets who were women yeah they you, they didn't say don't act jail the wife of heba took a tent beg and drove it through this uh, whatever his name was, <laughs> his temple, and she was hailed a hero. Yeah. This is this is something that you know today's woman might quake, mm. but this woman had hotspur or guts, <laughs> <laughs> and she did it. Yeah, yes, and it was to save a nation and save her people. Esther, mm. you see, Esther approaches differently. See, whereas jail goes with power and courage and warrior-like attributes that made her able to do that Esther goes with softness mm-hmm. and I'll entreat then you see uh, Deborah she rises up military leader she commands then you see Rahab she says you know something I need to act to save my family you you see all these things Abigail her husband if she had followed her husband all of them would have been killed But she went against what he wanted. How dare Abigail go and collect all that food to go and give to David when her husband had clearly said, I'm not giving you not even a a mouthful of milk, nothing. But Abigail, realizing he was foolish, did not submit to him. She submitted to who? God. Yeah. Because he's being foolish. He's going to cost us our lives. And she says, saddle the donkey, hurry up, collected everything and went and fell at the feet of David and said, please, my husband hasn't got sense. Forgive him (laughs) and accept this from my hand, basically. So if we are just to do this blind submission here and there, Mm. I mean, nations could perish. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly Holmes will be gone Mm. because today he's drunk and he says something stupid. Oh, well, I'll do it then. But when will you say, no, no, that thing that you're saying, no. It's not about I'm just male and I'm just female. And so anything that comes out of my mouth because I'm male must be gospel. Anything that comes out of your mouth because you're female must be devilish. Mm-hmm. Because then people are going to have to find other ent- bodies, <laughs> entities to marry. Isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's, um,
0: yeah,
1: I think we, we, we get the point. And, you know, to, to silence God's creation intelligently designed to fulfill God's will Mm -hmm. is nothing short of demonic. Mm -hmm. You know, many years ago, um, God gave me a vision and I saw it was a man walking. He's walking towards me, but one side of him is kind of rotten and he could barely pull that side along Mm -hmm. and because of the burden of that half of his body not working, His body that was working was overloaded and could not actually function properly either. And God spoke to me and said, this is the condition of my church Mm. because they have suppressed half and they're trying to take on everything. I didn't call them to. Mm. So instead of allowing the women to take authority in the church, in their positions, they're being stopped and therefore the church as a whole is not functioning as it should. And all of that is changing now because God is calling women from every walk of life to take their place, to begin to speak out, not just in the church, in the world also. Yeah. You see, in the world, women bring something else. And one of the things I always say is that a woman doesn't have to lead like a man. You see, there are differences and there are different ways of leading. Look at Esther and the way she led and look at Deborah and the way she led. You don't have to do it like a man does. You've got different strengths.
0: Yeah.
1: You see, so you use those strengths and those abilities and, and you know, the insights that God's given you. And then the man uses his strength, his abilities, his insight. And they're different. They complement one another. Not against, we're not supposed to be in this war, this permanent war since Adam and Eve been fighting yeah. and given rise to all sorts of things. Feminism, this, that, that. It's all mm-hmm. about the oppression that women experience around the world, over across the globe.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah, just to encourage the women.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a, a good place to conclude. Yes. It's been interesting discussion i'm sure this is a topic we'll probably come back to yes we (laughs) will revisit it because there's more there's a lot
1: there's more but praise god
0: okay for those who have listened this far if you enjoyed what you heard or found it helpful or encouraging then please do like follow and subscribe and there'll be more coming soon so from pastor patience and me goodbye for
1: now goodbye Thank mm-hmm. you.